Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. We're going to... Um, we're going to look at uh, what I think is a very interesting passage for believers. And as I begin to look and prepare for this message, I think all of us have challenges and struggles as believers, how we navigate and engage the culture around us um, in a Christ-like way without at the same time compromising our faith and convictions and becoming polluted and influenced by the world. Anybody else can, maybe can identify with that this morning. That's what this entire passage is really about. And so... If we look at Ephesians chapter 5 this morning, here's what I want to do first. Let's just go ahead and read. I'm going to read the 20 verses ahead of us, and we obviously don't have time to get into all 20 verses, but it, in context, I think it's important that you see the entire passage in its, um, uh, in its context so that we can kind of walk through it together this morning. And so Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus chapter 5, and I'm just going to begin in verse 1, and you follow along with me. Ephesians 5, 1 says, Therefore... Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light, and the Lord walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found, and that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Verse 15, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. And we've just... We've already uh, fulfilled this morning, verse uh, 20, where, verse 19, where we've addressed each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing, so thankful for that and for our worship team leading us into that. But what I want to talk to you this morning is about transforming culture through Christ, and, and what this passage is really, I believe, getting to the bottom of is how we as believers, as I said, can engage and navigate through this world without being compromised and polluted by the world. There was an author named Richard, Richard Neighbor, and he wrote a, a book about Christ and culture. And there's a couple of interesting things. He kind of breaks it down into, into three distinct categories about how we as Christians are, are to navigate the world around us. The first one is that he said there's, there's a way that we can approach it is Christ against culture, or Christ opposed to culture. Uh, probably the most uh, common way I can example I can give you in our in our day about a, a, a people group or believers that are Christ against culture or opposed to culture are Amish people. Anybody ever visit the Amish? 
they're fascinating people, just hardworking people can do amazing things, and most of them profess to be uh, of the Christian faith, but, but their approach in life is to basically isolate themselves from culture. They, they kind of keep themselves away from the things of this world, and a lot of people would say there's probably some good things in that, and then some people say, well, maybe there's some bad things in that, but that's their approach. They're kind of Christ opposed to culture. We saw this also uh, throughout church history with asceticism or the monks where they would go and they would remove themselves from the world. They would go live in these monasteries and they would meditate and, and uh, you know, deprive themselves of certain things and they basically just remove themselves out of culture. And that's, that's one approach that we could take as believers. I don't necessarily believe that's the right approach, but that is one approach. Uh, the other approach is Christ of culture, which would basically mean that you know, we're trying to find ways where the, the church and the culture kind of meet and mesh and, and we can, we can kind of have the best of both worlds. I don't necessarily think that's the best approach either. But the last one is Christ above culture. And, and in, in this approach is basically this, this author, Richard Neighbor, says that our responsibilities as believers is to continue to carry out the cultural work in obedience to the Lord so that where we, wherever we go as Christians, that by the Spirit of God at work in and through us, that that culture is transformed and brought under the lordship and obedience of Jesus Christ. And I believe that's what Ephesians 5 is calling us to this morning when we look at transforming our culture through Christ. So I have uh, six very simple um, truths that I want to share with you this morning that come from this passage, and then we're going to look at them together before we take partake of the Lord's Supper. And I think this is a very relevant message that will go along with preparing our hearts to receive the the table of the Lord this morning uh, before we do that, which I think is always appropriate for believers to do. So the first thing I want to share with you this morning is that Christians must not be celebrators of the culture, okay? So, so when it comes down to the culture and the world around us, we should not celebrate that. Uh, Paul is saying that we're called to be imitators of God, okay, and celebrators of Christ and celebrators of his light. And so therefore, we should not be celebrators of of the culture. Paul wrote about this also in the book of Romans. Let me, let me tell you what the world does, and I'll share this with you very quickly in Romans chapter 1. Listen, this is what it means to celebrate the culture. Romans 1.29 says this. It says, They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Now listen to 32. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. That's the culture that we live in now, is it not? I will contend with you that it is. You see, back in, you know, before my generation perhaps, or even maybe when I was younger, I think the culture of the world had a, a certain expectation that the church was supposed to speak out against the profane. The church was supposed to speak out about those things that were an affront and an offense to God. And, and the church, especially in North American and American history, for many, many years, the church was the center of culture, the center of the community, and everything kind of flowed out of the Christian uh, community, and the church was very vocal publicly to speak out about uh, things uh, of the world that were uh, not pleasing to the, to the Lord, sin at the bottom line. 
But if you think about it, ever, ever since the, the world started to kind of push back against those things, what happened to the church? The church then kind of took this approach. Well, well, instead of us being so vocal and speaking out against these sinful ways of the world and the culture around us, we're just going to be what? We're just going to be quiet about it. So, so we're not going to approve of it, but, but we're not going to be that judgmental person anymore. And, you know, we've been con conditioned so well now to not speak out against things because we're so judgmental and we should, you know, Christ wouldn't have us to do those things. And, and that, so at the very least, as Christians, we should just, if we don't have something nice to say, then don't say it at all, right? So let's just kind of be quiet about it. So, so that's the way that the church has kind of, you know, progressed throughout the years. Well, now let me tell you something. Being quiet about it isn't even good enough anymore, is it? Now, we, it's not that the church can't speak out about things or the church can just simply be quiet about the sinful ways of this world, but now they want us to celebrate it with them. The culture and the world around us says, no, if you're not approving of what I do, if you're not celebrating and embracing my sinful practices and my sinful ways that are an offense to God, then you are a bigot and you are, uh, you know, you're, 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 you're being anti-progressive in, in, in the way that the world is really going, and, and we don't need you around. And, and now we're almost guilted by, as believers into, into saying if we're not approving and celebrating those things in the world that are an offense to God, then we're just, we're just not on board. And, and that's the way that we've come. So, so as, as far as Christians go, we should not be celebrators of the culture. Now, I preach that to you very simply because I don't think many of us are struggling in that area of our life. I don't think if you talk to the every normal average day Christian, I don't think that celebrating the sinful ways of the culture are necessarily where we're struggling. But let's look at the second one that Paul talks about. He says that Christians must not also become partakers in the culture. Partakers in the culture. He, he mentions this in Ephesians 5, and he says it in verse 7. He says, therefore, do not even become partners with them. Now, this is a very, very significant word that he uses here. He talks about being a partaker or a partner with the deeds and the ways of evil in the culture around us. And Christians, as believers in Christ, we should not become partners with that which is evil and that which is of darkness. Now, this is a very strong word, as I said. This is not just talking about a superficial relationship or limited participation in certain things around us in, in the culture and the world around us. But this, the, this word is only used one other time in the New Testament, in Ephesians 3, and it refers to the Gentiles who have been saved, and they've been brought into a partnership with Israel as joint heirs and um, uh, as those who have received the blessings and the promises of God through faith. That's the only other time this word partners or partakers is used. In other words, it's implying a very strong and a very willing spiritual union with somebody else. And so when, when Paul uses this word as far as being a partaker of the culture around us, he's talking about when we as believers willingly begin to share the desires, the pursuits, and the purposes of the world and the, and the perverse culture around us, and he's warning us not to be those willing partners with the culture. I think the, the two most evident ways that we see this as believers are this. The first way is in our relationships. How many people have heard the testimony of a faithful Christian, a, a young man or a young woman? Maybe they've been serving the Lord. They've been raised in the church. They're seeking to follow Jesus. And they, all of a sudden, they meet somebody and they fall in love. And all of a sudden, their whole life and their whole trajectory of their life has changed because now what they've done is 
is that they've begun to follow after someone else who's probably not equally yoked with them, but they're unwilling to give up that relationship, and they end up either marrying that person or getting involved in an intimate relationship with that person. And Paul is trying to protect us and warn us this morning, saying, believers, you don't need to enter into these kind of partnerships or relationships. We don't have to look any further than to look at the, the Old Testament kings of Israel like Ahab, who had the queen Jezebel, or Solomon, who um, the perverse practices of Solomon, who, who had all of these foreign wives who led him astray to worship and obey and follow after other gods. So many of us as believers have to be very careful about the relationships that we enter into, especially our young people, but even as adults, becoming intimately involved with, with people in relationships that are not believers, that are, that, are, that are partakers of the ways of the world. Because let me tell you something, what happens? We think that sometimes as believers that we're going to be able to, to bring those people further along with us and maybe we can almost have that savior complex, like we can help them and lead them to the Lord. But inevitably what happens most of the time is that they end up doing the exact opposite and bringing us down, right? That happens so much. And the other way, I think it is a very practical way, is that we, when we enter into business partnerships with people who are unbelievers. I think Paul and the scriptures make it very clear. We should be very careful in what kind of business relationships that we form with people. Because if you're not equally yoked with somebody and you're not following the Lord in the same pursuits and the desires and purposes of God and you enter into a relationship and a business partnership with somebody who's not of the Lord and is following the ways of the world, that's going to become a problem. And inevitably, who's going to end up probably compromising their beliefs? We are as believers. And so Paul is trying to help us this morning to be very careful in those willing partnerships and how we partake and invest in relationships and partnerships and business opportunities and those things. And I'll have to touch on this one more thing because I think if I don't, if the church doesn't get ahead of this, then we're, we're going to continue to drown in this. And it's just, it's, sometimes it's taboo. But I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Let's talk about the, the severe problem of pornography right now in our culture. Do you know what's happening when a, when a believer views pornography? When a believer views pornography, he is entering into a willing partnership with a digital prostitute. He is opening himself up to a demonic spirit at that time. And if we, if, we, if we continue to ignore this in the church and we don't get ahead of this, there are people in this room right now who are being entrapped and they're being held in bondage because they are entering into willing partnerships with this demonic activity and it is quenching the spirit of God in their life. It is destroying relationships in their life. It is one of the most powerful things that's happening in our culture today. And what does Paul says? These things are shameful. We don't even speak of them because of the things that are done in secret. He's talking about that here in Ephesians 5. And this is one of the biggest secrets in the church that we don't even want to what? We don't want to talk about it, right? But, but why some of us are not living in spirit-filled power this morning because we've allowed this kind of activity to go on in our life and we're entering into this willing partnership. Matter of fact, Paul says it in uh, 1 Corinthians 6. He says, the members of Christ, he says, um, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the member of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is written, the two shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. But he, it says, flee from sexual immorality. For every person, every sin a person commits outside his body 
excuse me, every other sin is outside of his body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? You have been bought with a price. You are not your own, so glorify God in your body. Believers, do you not understand that's what's happening when you're allowing yourself to, to look at that, that perverse, those perverse images? Guess what you're doing? You're bringing Jesus, who now lives where? In you, to come along with you to do that. You ever think about it that way? Come on, Jesus, let's go sit down in secret in the darkness of my room and let's look at this filth together. That's what's happening. You think about it that way? But see, that's what Paul's talking about. We shouldn't celebrate the perverseness of this culture, but we shouldn't even partake of it in any way and, and willingly enter into these kind of uh, relationships or partnerships of this perverse culture. And the other thing is that Christians must not become imitators of the culture. So I think some of us may not be struggling with celebrating the culture. Some of us may or may not be struggling with partaking in the culture and, and willingly entering into these relationships, but, but all of us are going to be struggling with doing what? Imitating the culture. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 5. He says here in verse 4, he says, There should not be any obscenity or foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So if we're not careful, we as believers, and this is just one example that he gives us, but if we as believers, we can easily become influenced by the ways of the world because of the people that are around us. And if we're not careful, we can look up. And instead of being imitators of Christ, which is how this passage opened, we're to be imitators of him, we begin to become imitators of the culture and the world that is around us. And they become with little compromises and little things that we begin to accept. Paul also talks about this in Romans chapter 12. He says, in view of God's mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice. This is holy and pleasing to God. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Believers, that's what he's talking about here. Are we being conformed by the world around us, or are we constantly being transformed? Now, let's just look at this one particular example. He reminds us, Paul is reminding us this morning about how easy it can be to become imitators of the culture around us. You know, one of the jokes in ministry is that as pastors, one of the, one of the challenges as being a full-time pastor, I know Brother John can attest to this, is if we're not careful, we can become insulated from the world around us because most of our time is spent hanging out with Christian people. And we forget what it's like for you guys to go out into the world and work every day around a culture that is many times hostile to God. One of, my, one of my friends, and actually when I, over this last year and a half, when I was out of full-time ministry and I went to work, because you know pastors don't really work, right? Just on Sundays. But when I went back to work and I began to work in a real workplace environment, you know the first thing that really just kind of was sobering to me? It's the way that people talk. The language. I'm just sitting here listening to people talk, and it's, you know, just dropping profanities and obscenities and cursing and just talking like that. And you just sit there, and, and you forget, like, wait a minute, this is the way of the world. And if we're not careful, we just spend our time around Christians all the time. We forget, wait, this, is the, this is the way that the world talks all the time. And so when you see that, and you begin to accept that, and you're around that a lot, if we're not careful, what happens? We can become imitators of that. And all of a sudden, where, you know, we might... It's not just slipping up every once in a while and saying a bad word when you stump your toe, right? You start to accept those things and maybe some of those things begin to start coming out 
of your mouth as well. You know another way that we struggle in this? And this is where one of the, the areas I've been really convicted over the last week, just preparing for this message. It's in what we allow ourselves to see and listen to in television and in movies. I mean, think about how far we've come, whereas in the 1970s and 80s, and, you know, you have these ratings, and you might hear one or two bad words, and, you know, that was even a, bad, a, a big deal back then, where now you turn on Netflix, and you go to watch one of the Netflix specials, and every other word seems like that they're just blasting out profanity. And, and sometimes I, I, may, I justify it, you know, and I find a show that's interesting and, you know, they, they do a great job to get your attention and capture you and make you want to binge watch these shows and you start to watch them and you, you just start to accept the profanity and all the obscenity that's coming out of their mouths. You know what? I've been very convicted this week if I say, you know what? If I'm a child of God, I should not be allowing these things to continue to be poured into my heart because there's nothing that's good that's going to come out of that. And if we're not careful, guys, we can become imitators of the culture by the things that we allow and the things that we approve of and the things that we accept. Now, many of you may be sitting there thinking, man, Brother Marcus, you're getting legalistic on me now. You're getting legalistic, right? No, I'm not getting legalistic on you, and I'm going to tell you why in just a second. Because all of this is going back to the Spirit of God. All of this is going back to the Spirit of God. And I'm going to share that with you right now. So we have celebrating the culture. We have partaking of the culture, or we have imitating the culture. All of us may or may not be struggling in one way or the other. But what are the three ways that we should be pursuing the Lord in the culture? The first one is that Christians are called to be illuminators of the culture. Illuminators. In other words, we're to be giving off what? Light. Brother John, I love the way he shared this morning that the same concept about Zerubbabel and Joshua and being filled with the Holy Spirit and anointing with that power of the Holy Spirit represented by the oil and how they give off that light when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, naturally illuminating that, that, that world around us so that they see the goodness and the truth and the light and the righteousness in us. And that's what we should be as children of God. But look at with, specifically at what the word that Paul uses in Ephesians 5. I think it's no mistake that he uses this word in verse, let me find it, verse 8. Once you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, walk as what? Children of light. And he says it right there. Walk as children of light. Do you think there's a mistake that he used that word children? I think there's very a very emphatic reason why Paul used the word children. Because when we are born again, yeah, we become children of God. We become sons and daughters of the Lord through faith in Christ, and we have that relationship. But I think Paul is also reminding us is that as Christians in a perverse culture, in a dark culture around us, there should be some level of innocence in our life, should there not? Yeah, we should be illuminating the culture around us. We should be giving off light. We should be in, uh, celebrating the things that are good and righteous and true. As a matter of fact, if you ever have to question if what you're doing or what you're seeing or the places that you're going are wrong or right or whatever it may be, there's a pretty good test right there. Is it good? Is it righteous? And is it what? True. You can start right there. If you're having a problem to make a decision of whether or not you should be participating in something, is it good, is it righteous, or is it true? Now, is it leading you closer to those things, or is it leading you further away from those things? That's a pretty good test. But you know what a really another good test is? This is a good one for, for parents especially. If you're doing something or going somewhere that you wouldn't bring your children along with you, 
probably not a pretty good decision, is it? Let's think about that for just a second. Are there times when we as adults are going to have to have adult conversations and be around adults and, and there may be situations where it's maybe something that's not necessarily appropriate for children? I understand that. I'm not, I'm not talking about that, but let's just ask this question. If you're watching a movie or you're going somewhere or you're doing something that you couldn't have your little son or daughter right there next to you doing it with you, then it's probably not honoring the Lord, is it? Because we're supposed to be children of the light. And I'm going to tell you something. If you, if you can't say amen, say ouch. Because this is a convicting message to me. Because how many times that I've been sitting in my living room and I have to tell my little son, Jordan, Jordan, I don't know if you need to watch this, buddy. Why don't you go into the other room because there might be a, some cursing or, or the language in the, in the show and what it's supposed to be. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm protecting him with that. But I'm sitting there thinking at the same time, why would I even be watching this if I can't have my son sitting next to me watching this? That's what this is talking about, being illuminators, children of light in a culture. That's the simple test. Now, sometimes, guys, we are called to call out evil and to shine light on the dark culture around us. And I think this is one of the biggest struggles as Christians, again, because we've been, we've been intimidated by the culture to not speak out anymore. But let's look at Jesus. Jesus came full of grace and what? Truth. Paul says, speak the truth in what? Love. So there is both. One without the other is no good. So Jesus, he came full of grace. He came full of love. But there were times when Jesus called out the culture around him publicly. He was unashamed and he exposed it for what it was. And guys, there are times when we as believers in this day need to stand up and speak out publicly for that which is right. There are times now we still have to deal with people on a relational level and love them and, just, and share grace with them and all of those things are true. But guys, sometimes I think we compromise the truth part or speaking out part because we've been conditioned to think that that's judgmental or we're just not building relationships or we're, just, we're not full of enough grace. We got to have what? We got to have both. That's what I think Paul's talking about, about being illuminators in the culture. But not only that, Christians are to be wise navigators of the culture. Wise navigators. Look at how many times in this passage that he talks about this. He says it in verse 10, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. He says it again in verse 17, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He says it in 15, then be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Now, Jesus said that we are going to be, as believers, still in the world, just not what? Not to be of the world. This is what I'm talking about. How do we navigate this world as believers because we're still here in the world, but Jesus said you can't be of the world. And I think that's exactly what Paul's talking about right here. Now, let me tell you what I mean by being wise navigators of the culture. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. Because do you know that the Bible doesn't prescribe every single command to every specific detail that we're going to face in our life? Do you understand what I'm saying? The Bible may not necessarily say, thou shalt not watch this movie. Right? The Bible may not specifically prescribe everything that you're going to be confronted with and faced with when you walk as a Christian in this culture. There's going to be times when you're invited to go places or do things or participate in things. And guess what you're going to have to do? I'm not here to tell you what to do. 
Because I'm not the Holy Spirit, and I'm not being legalistic about it. I'm saying the Bible says that we have to be wise navigators throughout every decision that we make. And how do we become wise navigators? We have to do this through the power and through the relationship of the Holy Spirit. So when we get together with our families and we get together with God, we begin to ask God and the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit of God, I need you to give me wisdom to know is this okay or is this not okay? And guess what he's going to do? He's going to tell us. He's going to show us. Because the Holy Spirit of God wants to lead us in everything that is good and right and true. And so that's where wisdom comes in. If you have a decision that you're trying to make as a family or an individual believer and you don't know what the right answer is, the Bible says you need to discern what the will of the Lord is. You need to be wise, not as unwise. And you need to go to the Holy Spirit of God and ask him, what should I do? Because he's going to let you know if you've crossed over that line. The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to help us navigate through this culture and still be engaging and be witnesses and be light and be love to the culture. But the minute that we cross over that line and we start to feel the culture pollute us and stain us and influence us, guess who's going to step in at that moment? The Holy Spirit. Thank God. Aren't you thankful we have a Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us in those things? Because this is what wisdom really is. It's a wisdom issue. I can't tell you what to do. In all. Now, if there are things in the Scripture that are specific that you're not supposed to do, don't do this or do this or don't. Now, obviously, those things are non-negotiable, but there's so many other things and areas of our life the guys, the scripture doesn't give us a specific command, but he's given us the Holy Spirit so that we can have wisdom in that. Does that make sense? That's what it means to be wise navigators of the culture. And the last one this morning is that we are to be spirit-filled transformers of the culture. Spirit-filled transformers of the culture. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, as I leave you this morning with this message, before we take the Lord's Supper, I'm going to talk to you about five gates. And I think it's very important that you hear this. This is a command in Ephesians 5. It says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're going to make wise decisions in this day and age, and you're not going to compromise your character, you're going to have to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, look, we're not talking about the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit that comes into you the moment that you're saved. Y'all know that there's also a command of the Lord that's our responsibility to be constantly what? Refilled, to be fueled up with the Holy Spirit. How do we become fueled up with the Holy Spirit? As Brother John said in the first service, we got to get back in our Bibles and we got to get back on our what? on our knees, and through that relationship, cultivating that relationship with the Holy Spirit of God, he fills us, and he fills us with all kind of wonderful things, wisdom and love and peace and all the fruit of the Spirit, all those things that we need desperately in this world as Christians. But let me tell you about the five gates where we get filled up with other things. You know, there's five gates to the heart. Do you know that? You got two what? Two ears, two eyes, one mouth. Jesus said that whatever proceeds out of your mouth is coming from where? Coming from your heart. And then we also understand that we need to be very, very careful about what we hear and what we allow our eyes to see. Do you know there's a reason why advertisers pay millions of dollars for 30 seconds of a Super Bowl ad? It's because it, it has an impact on you, doesn't it? Why would they pay so much money to get 30 seconds, a little bleep, on a Super Bowl ad if it didn't have influence and power over you? How many of you have to watch the Super Bowl now at halftime show and you have to, or you have to watch the commercials, right? 
it's changed the channel because, oh man, you know, there's another one that we, we can't watch or whatever it may be. But there's a reason why the things that we allow to go into our eyes are so powerful because think about it, these are mediums. Let's think about mediums. Now, in the Old Testament, it says don't consult with a medium. These are people who, who had, uh, they consulted with demonic spirits. But today we call the media, we call mediums, we talk about music, we talk about media, we talk about movies and all of these kind of things. And there's no question in my mind and in your mind this morning that the devil is primarily at work in these and through these mediums to have influence over you and me. We can't be desensitized to this anymore. That's why he is called the prince of the power of the air. Because he communicates lies and deception and darkness through the airwaves, through media, through visual technology, through music and all these things. Do you, you don't think music is powerful? I can still remember rap lyrics of gangster songs when I was in high school listening to that stuff. I don't want to remember it, but I do. Why? Because music is a powerful medium. That's why it's so powerful when we do get together as God's people and we sing these songs together and we sing the gospel out loud because that's one way we get the word of God and the gospel back in to our heart and become filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why Jewish children could memorize the entire Old Testament because they would do it through song. See how powerful that is? So let me just ask you this morning. If we're going to be spirit-filled transformers of the culture around us, we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, what are the other things in your life that you're allowing to go into your gates, your ears, and your eyes that's affecting your what? It's affecting your heart. That's a legitimate question, isn't it? It's a legitimate question in my life. It should be a legitimate question in your life because we're not going to be able to navigate this world as Christians. We're not going to be able to maintain our Christian character and our integrity and maintain our, our Christian innocence in a sense if we're not being filled continually with the Holy Spirit and we're compromising these things in our life. Very, very, very important. So now let's think about the Lord's Supper. Let's think about how do we take that message and apply it to what we're about to do right here. Because if we're going to be love and light in this culture, and we're going to be transformers of this culture, and we're going to be imitators of Jesus Christ in this culture, well, I think it's time that we take a spiritual inventory of our life. And some of you are sitting here today, and I've stepped on some of your toes, and you're saying, you know what? There's some things that I've just kind of compromised, and there's some things that I've just kind of allowed in my life. Maybe it's the way that I talk, or maybe it's the way that I accept profanity, or maybe it's the things that I'm watching or the things that I'm listening to, or maybe it's the places that I go, or maybe it's the relationships that I'm in, or whatever it may be. This is your opportunity now, because as Brother John said in the first service, we should not approach the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. We should not, because when we remember the cross of Christ, we remember that Jesus died for all this mess that we've brought, right? He died for all of it. He, he suffered and bled for this sin that we have in our life. So this is your opportunity to take an inventory of your heart and of your life and say, okay, Lord, Holy Spirit, what is it in my life right now that's not pleasing to you? Remember what it says, discern what is pleasing to the Lord? Holy Spirit of God, what's in my life right now that's not pleasing to you? Let me, let me ask you to do this. Before you come to the Lord's table this morning, just confess it. Just say, Lord, I confess it. There's things in my life right now that you know and I know that's not pleasing. And I confess it, and then here's the other thing. And I'm asking you, Lord, to help me turn from it, give it up, lay it down. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. 
I'm tired of being a partner with, partner with darkness. I'm tired of, of allowing the sin to hold me down and to quench the spirit of God. I'm tired of it. Christians, we got to get tired of it. Because God has so much more for us. He wants, to live, he wants to live through us and empower us to be truly on mission, to truly make a difference in the world around us. But if we're caught up and entangled in the world around us, we're not going to be making much of a difference, are we? And so as we enter to the Lord's table this morning, I want to ask you to really search your heart and do business with God right where you are. You don't have to go anywhere. The Spirit's with you. He's here. He knows. And so I'm going to close this in a word of prayer, and I'm going to ask our elders and Brother John to come up. And I think our, our praise team will probably be uh, coming up as well. And, and right there where you are, I just want to ask you to do business with God wherever you are. Whatever it is that he's leading you to do, let's do that right now. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your grace. We want to thank you that you've called us out of the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of your beloved son. And, and Lord, this morning I pray for me, I pray for our church, I pray for the church, that we would truly be children of light that we would truly walk in a way that is worthy of you and we can engage the culture around us, Lord, without being compromised and stained and polluted and that you would begin to transform, transform our hearts. Start with us, Lord. Start with me so that when we go out, Lord, we can help lead others to you and shine that light and that love that they so desperately need. Lord, search us now, oh God. Know our hearts. See if there be any offensive way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. For it's in Jesus Christ's name that we do pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.